Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Welcome to Jesus 911, Soul Patrol, two man car. Jess Romero, Paul Clay, two retired Los Angeles deputy sheriffs. Today's the feast day of St. Matthew. Pray for us. Uh, a lot of us have a little bit of Matthew in us. We still we still need uh, further interior conversion. Paul, we got some topics today that are interesting to you and I. You and I have been discussing the issues for a long time. <clears throat> so let's jump right into it. The first topic that I want to talk on is entitled Cardinal Warns Synod could an, could advance UN's agenda 2030. So Cardinal Gerhard Mueller, uh, one of the great luminaries today in the church, one of the great intellectual voices, is warning us about the fact that uh, the deep church could be colluding with the deep state uh, at the uh, synod of synodality, and this is not good. So let's see what the mm-hmm. good cardinal has to say, then we'll make some comments. Cardinal Gerhard Ludwig Mueller <clears throat> this week warned that false prophets, that's that's a big statement right there. I mean, this is a sitting cardinal who's, he's been invited to to participate in the Synod of Synodality. So he's one of the persons that's going to weigh in on the, the findings of this. And he's saying that false prophets plan to use the controversial Synod on Synodality to promote the United Nations UN pro-abortion agenda. This this is a huge statement from this cardinal. Yes. <clears throat> uh, man, he's a successor to Cardinal Ratzinger, on the, uh, mm-hmm. the former prefect for the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, what used to be called before Vatican II the Holy Office. Pope Francis has personally invited Mueller to attend next month's uh, upcoming meeting, synod meeting, which has garnered much controversy and was sharply criticized by Cardinal Raymond Burke. In a Tuesday interview with Info Vaticana, Cardinal Mueller was asked whether there's something to fear at the Synod. He said, yes, he replied. <laughs> the false prophets who present themselves as progressives have announced that they will turn the Catholic Church into an aid organization for Agenda 2030. So he's warning us, Paul, that this is a, this is a project in social justice uh, Catholicism. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, pick yes. It uh, pick, pick it up from there. Yeah. Pick it up from there. Okay. Mueller emphasized that according to the worldview of these people, only a church without Christ fits in a world without God, he added. Uh, apparently, there are even bishops who no longer believe in God as the origin and end of man and savior of the world, but who, in a pan naturalistic or pantheistic way, Consider the supposed Mother Earth to be the beginning of existence and climate neutrality, the goal of planet Earth. Wow. <laughs> uh, uh, no one no one can change, add to, or take away from the word of God, the Cardinal continued. Um, by the way, as successors of the apostles, the Pope and the bishops must teach people what the earthly and risen Christ, the only teacher, has commanded them to do. And it is only in this sense that the promise that the army 
and the head of the, his body remain always with his disciples. And that's uh, based on Matthew 28, verse 19. Uh, Francis elevated Bueller to the rank of cardinal nine years ago. He previously served. Paul, Paul as stop the, there. You, yeah, you missed yeah. one huge sentence right before that, which is a huge sentence. Yeah, look oh, okay. at what he says. Look at what he says right after oh, the, the Matthew 19. Look at this is this is a bomb, Paul, because I've been saying this for a long time. And now we have a cardinal saying what little old Jesse Romero has been saying for for a decade. Me and Terry Barber. Look at what he just yes. said here. Yeah, read it. Uh, yes. Mueller also referenced what he called a lack of basic theological education among bishops. Bingo. Now, I can't <laughs> find the other quote. I was reading one of Cardinal Ratzinger's old books, and he said the same thing like 30 years ago. So now two people in my lifetime are admitting that many of the bishops have poor training in bishop school. Okay, uh, their, their formation is liberation theology. It's social justice. It's modernism. So you have Mueller saying this right now, what I've been saying for 10 years. He just says it. Well, uh, a well, lack just, of basic theological education among even bishops. Bingo. Well, and I could, I, now, I'm not going to divulge the bishops. Two good bishops, I sat across the table from them within the last year, and we were, at, <clears throat> we were talking, and I told the two bishops in two different states and two different dioceses, <clears throat> did you know that you have the power to drive out demons from your diocese? Really, Jess? Really? I said, yeah. The Pope, Pope Leo the Thirteenth, wrote a prayer. It's called it's the, it's it's the uh, prayer to say of to Saint Michael the Archangel against rebellious angels. Uh, only a bishop could pray that, or the, or or assign an exorcist to pray that. I said, when you read <clears throat> the commentaries that Pope Leo the Thirteenth said, it said that this prayer, prayed by a bishop. <clears throat> outside in public will drive demons out of the city or location or place that he's standing in front of. Both these bishops, Paul, who are some of the better bishops in the country, they looked at me like a, like a cow looking at a gate. And they're like, what? Well, just I guarantee, I, I oh, guarantee just, you it's many more than yeah. two. It's it's many more than two, Jess. I would say the large majority don't, they know, don't know those that. things. Yeah, yeah. And, and and it's more than just they didn't go to bishop school. You and I both know uh, the left believes in something called social promotion. <laughs> you know, um, in school, right? They yeah. they just promote people, right? And so right. so what we have in the Catholic Church, we don't have uh, uh, the sharpest intellects being uh, elevated you know, to the higher positions, you know what we have? We have a lot of, there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, uh, al aligning themselves with people who have uh, like-minded theological views. And as you know, the two prevalent views are one is traditional. The other one is um, uh, a modernist view. And, and so modernists, you know, they don't, you know, they're not lofty thinkers in the sense they're not, they're not, you know, looking back at what, what the, what previous popes wrote and things like that, uh, only to their advantage, uh, to, to further their position, Jess, but they're not, they're not, um, really, really, uh, you know, just, you know, understanding the fullness of the faith and presenting that to the faithful. And that's, that's been my experience. I'm going to prove that to you, what you just said. Yeah. 
you uh-huh. have right now cardinals and bishops in the Roman Curia that are using this phrase. They're calling it the Fran- Francis is the current magisterium. We have to listen yep. to the current magisterium. That's yes. not a that's not a, a theological word that's ever been used for any pope. When a pope sits right. there and, and 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 the bishop starts saying the ones that are in the Roman Curia start saying you have to listen to the current magisterium. No. Every single bishop, uh, bishop and pope, and the, and their associates have always said we have yep. to listen to the perennial uh, magisterium, not the current. Yeah. So th- this is modernism at play here, Paul. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. But let me go back to the article. Then I want to get some more comments. It says Francis elevated H- uh, Mueller, surprisingly, to the rank of cardinal nine years ago. He previously served as a bishop of Regensburg. In southeastern Germany from 2002 to 2012, Mueller also served as a prefect of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith from 2012 to 2017, a position he was appointed by the late Pope Benedict XVI. The 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development, to which Mueller referred, is a list of 17 sustainable development goals and 169 targets that the UN published in 2015. From the uh, from from the uh, UN agenda's preamble, the the 2030 agenda preamble, it says this: This agenda is a plan of action for people, planet, and prosperity. It also seeks to strengthen universal peace and larger freedom. We recognize that eradicating poverty in all its forms and dimensions, including extreme poverty, is the greatest global challenge and an indispensable requirement for sustainable development. All countries and all stakeholders acting in collaborative partnership will implement this plan. We are resolved to, to free the human race from the tyranny of poverty and, mm. want, and want and to heal and secure our planet. What? Look at all mm. these new, new, new age terms. Heal our yeah. planet. Uh, yeah, just, 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 yeah. How about, how about heal? How about, how about the heal tyranny the of sin? The, the tyranny of sin and, and freeing souls, you know, uh, Burdening yourself with the ministry of Christ. Uh, this is not uh, the language of the church uh, these people are using, Jess. This is the language of the world. Uh, they're you, you know, like you said, these 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 uh, new age uh, terms. This is the language of the world. This is uh, listen. Sacred Scripture tells us clearly, Jess, that um, the, this is not our home. Okay. This is not the business of the church, Jess, to to be involved in these things. Um, What they're trying to do clearly, again, uh, you know, is make us good citizens of Mother Earth. Good, you know, and let me tell you something. That is not what the church is called to do. The church is to, you know, the mandate that Christ gave the church is to go out into the world, teaching them all that he has commanded them. Uh, baptizing them, con- bringing conversion, Jess, uh, uh, freeing souls. Jesus came to set the captive free, right? But when this 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 worldly approach, this humanistic yeah. approach, does yeah. nothing. Yeah. Let me mention one thing. It this 2030 agenda says we're determined to protect the planet from degradation. Guess what? Jesus is going to come back and he's going to destroy the planet by fire. That's what it says in, it says in 2 Peter chapter 3. Christ is yeah. going to destroy by fire. But oh yeah, we're going to save the planet. Yeah, right. Okay, we'll be back. Now, back to Jesus 911. 
If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, two-man car. So uh, the 2030 agenda that uh, Cardinal Mueller says is infiltrating the Catholic Church at the Synod of Synodality, the 2030 agenda seeks to to protect the planet from degradation. That means... That means from you know that that means from from uh you know being destroyed. Well, that's too yeah. late. Twenty thirty agenda, because in Second Peter chapter three, here's what's going to happen to the world when Jesus comes back. It says the Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slow, but is forbearing towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, and then the heavens will pass away with a loud noise and the elements, that means terra firma, the elements <clears throat> will be dissolved with fire and the earth and the works that are upon it will be burned up. So much mm. for the 2030 agenda. Yeah. Let's comment on this for a second. Well, the Bible says that when man fell, Right. When, 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 when sin came into the world and, and man fell from grace, that nature also fell with man and that the whole world is is just groaning, you know, uh, once again for, you know, it wants restoration. It wants to be restored by Christ. But in the meantime, the Bible clearly says there'll be earthquakes and and all kinds of planetary things that are going to upset, you know, uh, this world. Why? Because those things are coming because something's not right on planet earth. And the thing that's not right is, is sin has, you know, has destroyed and, and, uh, uh, infected the world. And Jesus has to come back and basically exterminate it. <laughs> that's, yep. that's essentially the message that they're not, they're not telling you. They're thinking yeah. that they can save the world. Yeah, I like the way Dr. Scott Hahn describes eschatology when Christ comes back. He says, just like a Catholic priest puts his hands over bread and wine, and it changes, the substance changes into the body and blood of Christ. He says, Christ will come back at the end of time, put his hands over planet Earth, and planet Earth will be transubstantiated into heaven. Love that. Love yeah, that. In some, in some mystical way, heaven and Earth will be united through Christ's power as he lays his hands over the earth at the second coming. I, that is yeah. that is just an unbelievable way to describe it. Uh, but it makes sense to me as a Catholic because, again, we see transubstantiation uh, every day in the Catholic Church at the holy sacrifice of the masses around the world. Paul, another topic, we want to move to another topic. Another great bishop, Bishop Athanasius Snyder on the validity of Pope Francis. There's a lot of buzz around amongst good Catholics about... Is Pope Francis the Pope? <clears throat> and uh, I've had some good friends of mine that, that take a position yeah. that do not believe that Pope Francis is a Pope. I disagree with them. They're still my friends, you know, Dr. Ed Mazza, Pat Coffin, Father Altman, and, and probably others. Uh, <clears throat> I can understand their, their frustration and their woundedness, but I think Bishop Athanasius Snyder came to, to, to give uh, clarity from uh, f- from from the perspective of a bishop that has his gravitas, he's one he's one of those other bishops, just like Cardinal Mueller, who's a theological heavyweight. 
If you read his curriculum vitae, you're saying, man, why isn't this guy the Pope? Uh, but here's what he says. It's a short article. and We'll just share it. It says, <clears throat> Bishop Athanasius Snyder, there's no authority to declare or consider an elected and generally accepted Pope as an invalid Pope. The constant mm. practice of the church makes it evident that even in the case of an invalid election, this invalid election will be de facto healed through the general acceptance of the new elected by the overwhelming majority of the cardinals and bishops. Even in the case of a heretical pope, he will not lose his office automatically, and there is no body within the church to declare him deposed because of heresy. Yes. Such actions would come close to a kind of a heresy of conciliarism or episcopalism. The heresy of conciliarism or episcopalism says basically that there's a body within the church, ecumenical council, synod, college of cardinals, college of bishops, which can issue a legally binding judgment over the Pope. The mm. theory of the automatic loss of the papacy due to heresy remains only an opinion. Mm -hmm. And even St. Robert Bellarmine noticed this and did not present it as a teaching of the magisterium itself. The perennial papal magisterium never taught such an opinion. In the 1917, when the Code of Canon Law came into force, <clears throat> the magisterium of the church eliminated from the new legislation the remark of the, the Gritum Graziani in the old Corpus Iris Canonici, which stated that a pope who deviates from right doctrine can be deposed. So again, this was removed in the 1917 Code of Canon Law. Never in history did the magisterium of the church admit any canonical procedures of deposition of a heretical pope. The church has well, no power... The, let me just finish that. The, uh, the church has no power over the Pope formally or, ju or judicially. The sure Catholic tradition says that in the case of a heretical Pope, the members of the church can avoid him. Yep, like I do. Resist him. Yep, like I do. Refuse to obey him. Yep, when he teaches uh, things contrary against the gospel. All of which can be done without requiring a theory or opinion that says a heretical Pope automatically loses office or can be deposed consequently. Let's Paul, you want to pause? Finish it up yes, we, yeah, yeah. No, let, let's just pause and do some com uh, some comments on this because there's a lot here and there's a lot that he's saying, and I think that we need to discuss it a little bit. Number one, I look at it, and and, and he's so right, he's so clear. Um, I look at it like, let's look back at ancient Israel. Let's look at when they had uh, a wicked king. Was there any mechanism within Israel to get rid of a wicked king? No, the king is at the top of the food chain, yeah. right? So, so the way God dealt with wicked kings was God dealt with them. Uh, sounds like when you, yeah, like when you said no man can judge the Pope, right? God, because you have to remember something about our faith. God causes all things to work together for good for those that love God, for those that are called according to his purpose. You've often said, Jess, that, God gives us the leaders that we deserve. And so if there happens to be a wicked leader or a poor leader or a bad leader in there, God, it's not like God has abandoned his people, but God, um, uh, let's face it, 
we know that uh, sacred scripture tells us that, you know, that there's going to be a falling away of the faith, that people's love will grow cold. Well, that statement isn't just like, as it, listen, everything is connected. For every action, there's a reaction, cause, effect. So people's love, you're just, they're just not going to go from these on fire Catholics to all of a sudden, you know, my love's just cold. There's a process that takes place. And that process is basically the degrading, uh, you know, of the faith, uh, failing to uh, faithfully take that which was passed on and to bring it to this generation. Those are the things that cause people's love to grow cold. These new ideas that are be, uh, being introduced, these, uh, you know, uh, the church uh, losing its, its focus and focusing in on conforming to the image of the world and not the image of Christ, not, you know, losing the burden of the ministry of Christ, which is to go out and to, to baptize. All of those things cause uh, the uh, people's love to grow cold. So when we when we look at the you know a situation like we got a bad pope, we tend to say as human beings, oh, it's my job. I got to do something. I got to do something. No, you don't. You know what you got to do? You got to pray. You got to pray, pray, pray. As our blessed mother said, that's our mission. That's our goal. And it, it's not up to us to go call out the you know the current and say, oh, he's not the pope and this and that and lead some kind of earthly rebellion. No, God, if he so chooses can replace the Pope immediately like that. Exactly. And so we have to say, Father, not see God brings us down paths sometimes that we don't particularly like. What did Jesus, what did our Lord say? Father, uh, if it's possible, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. You see, God brings us places that we don't want to go, but it's okay because God knows that his grace is sufficient and he knows that love, love, uh, is perfected through these sufferings. Amen. And when you look at the old, again, the Catholic Church is the new Israel of God. In the old Israel of God, and by the way, there's only two religions that were started by God. Old Testament Israel was started by God. New Testament Israel was started by the Son of God. Mm -hmm. uh, old Testament Israel, they had a, 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 a point in time and in fact, there's books written on it. First Kings, Second Kings, First, uh, uh, first uh, Samuel, Second Samuel. That talks about the history of the kings of Judah, the history of the kings of Israel. Well, guess what? Mm -hmm. When you look at all the kings in, in a chart, in a flow chart, most yeah. of them were wicked. Mm. Most of most. them were wicked. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I think like wow. fully... Uh, yeah, I think like only like three on on, the, on Israel's side and about four on Judah's side were righteous kings. Thirty of them, I think, on both sides were wicked. And guess what? There was no mechanism to take it out. I mean, I guess you could yeah. you could you could pull a Phineas and hit him with a spear and kill him, but there was no. You know what? Because God dealt with them. <laughs> yeah, God dealt with them, and yes. and that's the mechanism. God deals with them because they're beholden to God. Uh, and yes. so th this is why many of the saints have said, uh, and you know, this is St. John Chrysostom, is that there are many bishops and priests in hell. Why would he say something like that? Uh, blessed uh, uh, blessed uh, Catherine Ann Emmerich, in a vision approved by the church, says many, many bishops and priests, and remember, Pope's a bishop, are in hell. Mm -hmm. Why? Mm -hmm. Because they are basically... The, a pope is is not not beholden to anybody but God. Same with a bishop. 
And so if they stray from the path, uh, woe to them. As it says in Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 18 and 19, woe to that person, especially if they have authority that does not yeah. warn the wicked man of their sin. Yeah. That, that wicked man's sin will be rendered, will be imputed to that bishop and pope's account. Uh, yes. So, and, and just uh, one of the things why you know we haven't had as many wicked popes and things as they have had kings and and why is this well by god's grace because christ came christ accomplished all that he did and merited all that he did and then he he we, we, the church received the gift of the holy ghost the holy spirit of god came at you know uh after after that incident in the upper room you know you know we were well equipped to go out and to um um uh, present ourselves as living in holy sacrifices acceptable unto God because we had the Holy Spirit of God empowering us to do it and that's something uh you know um that uh is very new testament you know yes yeah <laughs> We'll be back. Jesus 911. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888 526 2151. Feast of St. Matthew, pray for us. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows forth the work of his hands. Never forget that God's in control. We're not in control. God's in control. Just put your put yourself in God's hands every single day. And that's a that's the best place to be. So let me just finish up this article and we'll make some passing comments about Bishop Athanasius Snyder on the validity of Pope Francis. It says here. There, this is Bishop Athanasius Snyder who wrote this. He says, therefore, we must follow the surer way and abstain from defending the mere opinion of theologians, even they be saints like St. Robert Bellarmine. Remember, it was just an opinion, which says that a heretical pope automatically loses his office or can be deposed by the church. Therefore, the pope cannot commit heresy when he speaks ex cathedra. This is a dogma of the faith. In his teaching outside of ex-cathedra statements, however, he can commit doctrinal ambiguities, errors, and even heresies. And since the Pope is not identical with the entire church, the church is stronger than a singular erring or heretical Pope. In such a case, one should respectfully correct him, avoiding purely human anger and disrespectful language. Resist him as one would resist the bad father of a family. Yet the members of a family cannot declare their evil father deposed from the fatherhood. They can correct him, refuse to obey him, <clears throat> separate themselves from him, but they cannot declare him deposed. Finish up the last two sent paragraphs, Paul. Yeah. Good Catholics know the truth and must proclaim it. Offer reparation for the errors of an erring pope since the case of a heretic of a heretical pope is humanly ir irresolvable we must implore with supernatural faith a divine intervention because that singular erring pope is not eternal but temporal 
And the church is not in our hands, but in the hands of Almighty God. Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm. uh, we we must have enough supernatural faith, trust, humility, and a spirit of the cross in order to endure such an extraordinary trial in such relatively short situations in comparison to 2000 years, we must not yield to a uh, to a too human reaction and to an easy solution, declaring the invalidity of his pontificate, but must keep sobriety, keep a cool head, and at the same time, a true supernatural view and trust in divine intervention and in the indestructibility of the church. Amen. Amen. Bishop Athanasius Schneider, God bless you. Yeah. What clarity, Jess. I love Bishop Schneider. He is a true father. He yeah. always he, he he always puts the puts it right on the mark and he gives us loving counsel. And again, makes perfect sense, right? We we believe in God, right? That's what we say at the beginning of the creed. We, you know, I, you know, I believe in God. Well, guess what? God is God. That means He is omnipotent. He is all powerful. He is omniscient. He is all knowing. Nothing happens as a surprise to God. He yeah, is in Paul, full Paul, control. He he yeah. he's not he's not the God of surprises. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I I would agree. He's not the God of surprises because nothing surprises him. Why? Because when God looks at history, Jess, he's outside of time and space. He sees the he sees Adam and he sees the last you know man. Period. All at the same time. You know what I mean? Mm. There is no surprises with God, and and we need to understand in our humanness. We want to do something. Oh, we've got to do something. There, there's something going on. There's something wrong. We got to do something. You know what we got to do? Pray. pray. That's what yeah. we got to do. We pray, and pray. Penance, pray and penance. Offer yes. your body yes. a living sacrifice. Our Lady of Fatima mm, says many souls go to hell because there's not enough people that are doing praying, not enough people praying and doing penance. penance. You know, Bishop yes. Bishop Athanasius Snyder, as they say in, in, in uh, you know, when you go to the range, he's Every time he speaks, Paul, he's right over the target. Yes, he is, <laughs> and, and, and and he's a gift right now to 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 Mother Church. You know, Jess, he is a gift to the church right now because he's a voice of clarity, and we need more of those voices of clarity. And, and I'll tell you nothing. If you look at his background, Paul, this guy, you know, this guy didn't grow up with a silver spoon in his mouth. You know, no. this guy, this guy, you know, his, his background here says. Uh, born of German parents, uh, he lived in the Soviet Union where his family received pastoral care. They, they named the priest who later became a beatified martyr for their faith. His pastor became a beatified martyr in Russia. Bishop Snyder himself received his Holy Communion in secret since the practice of the faith was outlawed under the communist regime. In 1973, wow. he left Russia with his family for Germany. He later joined the canons regular of the Holy Cross where he was given the religious name Athanasius. He was ordained a priest on March 25th, 1990, received a doctorate in, in, in patrology, that's in patristics, the church fathers, mm -hmm. at the Augustinian in Rome. In 1999, he became a professor of patristics at, at Mary, Mother of the Church Seminary in, in Caraganda. Mm. Uh, yeah, this, guy's no, this guy knows what yeah. persecution is like, and this guy's no shallow, shallow thinker. Yeah. This guy's, a, this guy's a, a theological heavyweight. Jess, how apropos he receives the name Athanasius. 
What a name, you know what I mean? And, and, and for a time such as this, you know, coincidence, uh, a, a, coincidence? A, yeah, a, yeah, a defender of truth, a voice of clarity. Yeah. No, it's another God incidence. And, 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 and again, uh, it, it shows you just what we always say that a, you know, he had to receive first communion, uh, you know, uh, you know, on the down low, so to speak. Why? Because of the persecution, because what he did was outlawed by the state and a persecuted church always produces holiness. Yeah. Holiness. Yeah. And right. produces saints. That's exactly right. And so again, for a time such as this, God gave us uh, this man. Yeah. Yes. Paul, let me ask you a question. Have you watched the, uh, the documentary mass of the ages one, two, and three, you watched them? Uh, no, I haven't, Jess. Outstanding. Oh, uh, oh, 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 okay. Back to uh, the Mass of the Ages, the Latin Mass. Yes, I have. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. And and yes, it's, made by a bunch of, it's made by a bunch of young adult Catholics. We're not talking about guys yes. our age. A bunch of yes. youngsters that are half our age that are discovering the traditional Latin Mass. And this article, it says, Atheists Find God at the Latin Mass, a review of the Mass of the Ages. Uh, just want to share this article it's with the audience. It says, it's true, and it is, that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Then it's fair mm. to say that the death of the director Cameron O'Hearn's father is the seed of the greatest Catholic documentary of the decade, maybe even of all time, Mass of the Ages, produced by by uh, Catherine O'Hearn, Ca Cameron O'Hearn. Mm -hmm. It may have had humble beginnings after it was, it was after all, it was funded by a grassroots lay initiative, but I can imagine a moment where the team of young men behind the scenes awoke to the realization that this wasn't an ordinary film. Whether Thomas Shannon's awe-inspiring cinematography, Christopher Amodio's quintessential color grading, or Mark Nowakowski's sensational score, the movie's production had all the mixings of something truly great, and if any doubt remained... It was certainly washed away under the wave after waves of priests and bishops and scholars and lay people telling the tale of how the traditional Latin mass totally transformed their lives. Of course, much can and should be said regarding every jot and tittle of the film. But I was particularly moved by something said by Dr. Taylor Marshall. For beyond the saddening statistics concerning the shortage of Catholic priests or the tragic loss of faith among the lady, there was, as Marshall so eloquently said regarding the brilliance of the Blessed Sacrament nestled within the setting of the traditional Roman rite, a kind of diamond in this film. This diamond mm. was cut by the great lapidary through which the light of Christ seemed to shine most bright, that being the Mouse family, the central narrative of the film. The movie began, symbolically enough, with a well-lit scene proceeding towards the illustrious high altar at the oratory of St. Francis de Sales in St. Louis, Missouri, followed by a descent through the dimly lit sanctuary of Our Lady of Mount Carmel in Littleton, Colorado. The optics were captivating. But then, toward the tail end of the departure, the camera gently slides between two rows of candles, candles twinkling alongside the black funeral pall of a casket. I shuddered at the sight, and I worried whether this film wasn't what I expected, or maybe more accurately, that it was more than I was prepared to handle. The answer came seconds later with a somber scene at a cemetery where a family huddled together in prayer. Paul, you want to pick it up from there? Yes. It was jolting, and tears flooded my eyes. 
as I saw at this moment a reflection of my own experience. And while I was yet unsure where all this would lead, one thing was certain, Mass of the Ages wasn't a film I could watch on my own. It was as the aftermath, uh, aftermath of my daughter's death with childhood brain cancer, a family affair, something we were destined to experience together. So I rushed to the family room and told them that I had something I wanted them to see. And more importantly, I told them I needed them uh, through, uh, through to the end of my, uh, to, uh, through to the end by my side. <clears throat> and it was true for scene after scene struck so many heartstrings composing a kind of chorus involving the most bittersweet of memories and emotions. Things we'd seen, things we'd felt, things we'd loved and lost. Many of them so amazingly beautiful, but all of them things we had to do. The comparisons were endless too. The father, Michael Moss, was diagnosed with a glibioplastoma. Okay, that's a form of probably some type of a tumor or cancer. Given only 12 months to live, my daughter, Sammy, at only 10 years old, was diagnosed with anaplastic astro uh, Yeah, which took her life after a mere 16 months. We'll hold it there. Hard break, hard break. We'll be right back. Good stuff here. Jesus 911, two-man car. Stick around. We're talking about the mass of the ages. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. St. Matthew, pray for us. And uh, thank you, St. Matthew, for that incredible gospel that's changed, that's changed billions and billions of people on planet Earth in the last 2,000 years. Hey, we're talking about Mass of the Ages, and this is uh, this article is gut-wrenching paul yeah it yeah you know just 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 a little you know the mass of the ages just there's so many things going on at the traditional latin mass there's so many intangibles and, and you know but i can just tell you having been in protestantism uh having come back to the catholic church after many years in protestantism you know there's people that come out of like a a sunday at a protestant church and they feel like oh yeah we just had worship let me tell you something when you experience you know um the high mass uh it is just you know that you have worshiped god you walk out of there feeling uh like you've been elevated uh uh, that God has been exalted, you know, um, there's just no doubt about it. And there's no comparison, no comparison. That's just my own personal experience. <laughs> I mean, literally, you know, that that is worship and nothing else, even everything else just pales into, you know, into, into insignificance, even, and I, and, you know, and I'm not trying to be controversial here, but um, it's different even 
it's different than the Novus Ordo Mass as well. You know what I mean? So different in that, you know, again, clearly God is the focus. And I'm not saying that he's not the, the focus in the Novus Ordo, but the way that Mass was constructed, again, I'll just have to say that that was a gift that God gave the church. Uh, that's just well, my opinion. The good news, Paul, is that it's still here and it's uh, it's making a comeback. Uh, the more they try to stamp it out, the stronger it gets. Well, I, I know it's making a comeback because I see it and I see the young families uh, in right. droves being attracted. Exactly. Every every Catholic uh, diocese that has the Latin Mass, it's full of young families with a bunch of babies. That's the future of the church. Uh, and and, and yep. they, you know, God has quickened their spirit and they can, uh, you know, they they know... Uh, they know T-bone steak from a hot dog, and these young people are attract. They're attracted to. They're attracted to the to the that pure red meat of the Latin Mass. Paul, I want to go right where it says, "I was an atheist, but I experienced mm -hmm. God at the Latin Mass." That's what I'm going to go to right now. It says, "Yeah, go ahead." I, yeah, I was an atheist, but I experienced God at the Latin Mass, and just the married couple recalling. Um, recalling their humorous first experience at a Latin mass. What's crazy uh, is that we came back, we kept going. Suddenly we found ourselves returning every Sunday to the traditional Roman rite. For now, like Christine, my goal and number one priority from the point onward was to walk my children into heaven however I can. And that the way I have been able to reorder my life as a parent has come from traditional Catholicism. It has completely, radically transformed every aspect of our lives. It is a liturgy and a way of life that breeds incredible peace and freedom. It's a refuge from this crazy, scary from this crazy, scary world. And it's the space where I can just place the cross down for a little bit. <laughs> wow. Uh, Christine finishes that line of thought with a question. Where would we be without this? To which I echo her answer. I don't know. Adding only in a sea of sorrow, a desert of despair, anywhere and everywhere, but Rome's sweet home. And this is the story of countless souls across the world whose lives have been transformed by their encounter with God in the mass of the ages. Pope Francis seems to have largely hinged his, his recent motu proprio on the claim that the Latin Mass is tired, uh, tied. Uh, tied more, yeah, tied more to the uh, desire and wishes of individual priests than to the real need of the holy people of God. Uh, and the, the letter uh, accompanying uh, Traditiones Custodes uh, from the grassroots funding of the film to the stories related therein to our own experience and those of thousands more, this claim of clericalism could not be further from the truth about the liturgy of our forefathers. Just what a what a line and what a revelation. Um, what a revelation. You want to continue, Jess? The film elevates the mouse family, the Moss family, <clears throat> brilliantly. Set in the cinematic golden hour with Christine standing with her children along the water's edge of a lakeside shore 
Whether dusk or dawn, it doesn't matter. For as had become evident throughout the film, the Moss family lives, moves, and has their being in the, inex- in the inextinguishable light of an everlasting fire, <clears throat> one that burns brightly in their hearts, shining, shining forth mysteriously through the collective twinkle in their smiling eyes for all the world to see. Yep. And behind them, almost prophetically, a skyline of heavenly hills, <clears throat> coruscating clouds and solace, hidden yet ever-present, distanced, but only for a time, and as, and as it is with faithful Catholics, tethered to the traditional Latin Mass, it's saddled on a circuit, providing warmth and light, light as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever, world without end. Amen. Amen. Mass of the Eight well, is, yes. is a must, it's a must-see movie, fit for people of all ages. Uh, the, the writer says, as for me and my family, we give it a resounding five, five stars. I do too, by the way. We are eagerly awaiting the premiere of episode number two, which hints at addressing the real histor- history of our liturgical chaos and the crisis in the church. I think they've already come, come out with number two and three. I've already watched them. Yeah. And yeah. every yeah. Catholic should watch them. At the very least, you, sh- you, you need to know the history of the liturgy and know where we came from. At least know our Catholic roots. Even if you don't attend the Latin Mass, at least know... Uh, the mass that was celebrated or offered for one thousand six hundred years. Acquaint yeah. yourself with it, yeah. But 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 just it's more than just having a memory of the past, you know. Uh, because, um, I, Paul, I, I only say some... that because I only say that because most people, unfortunately, even if they wanted to, don't even have the opportunity of going to a Latin mass. They're just they're, and there, there's some dioceses that have no Latin mass. Remember, there's. There's 198, uh, I think, dioceses in the in the country. There's many dioceses that people don't even have the the option of a Latin mass. That's why I say that. At least watch the yeah. video and see what the church yes. used to be like, because many people just don't have. They don't even have the option. So, yeah, no. Uh, what a sad, what a sad statement, you know, Jess. Yeah. And 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 I'm convinced that. Um, uh, it's the Latin Mass that is going to uh, really move the church further on, because as the church begins to emulate, not Christ, I hate to say it like this, and this is just my opinion, but the world more and more concerned with things like global warming, concerned with things like, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, immigration. And when I say immigration, um you know, we, that's a whole nother topic, right? Right, right. I'm not saying, that, uh, yeah, and and I'm not saying that, that the church shouldn't have opinions on these things, but that definitely should not be the focus. The focus must always be God, and it must always be, you know, um, that's the beauty of the Catholic Mass, that Christ, this, the very same sacrifice of Christ has been uh, brought forth here right now in time and space to be represented for you here and now uh and god is uh you know that is the only thing uh between that stands between god a holy god and sinful man and the only and he is truly the prince of peace jess that's right and uh just a little bit of homer for those listening to today's show if you want to see the way the Jews worship God, see, Protestants don't know this because they don't have this book in their Bible. Mm-hmm. It's in the book of Sirach, and I'm flipping my Bible over to the book of Sirach. It shows you Jewish worship. It's Sirach chapter 50, and uh, I'm flipping my Bible over to Sirach chapter 50. 
And I'll tell you what's amazing about that chapter. It shows you the high, what we would call a high mass. Uh, it shows you the, the high Jewish worship uh, at the temple. Just go ahead and read it. Sirach chapter 50 on your own. Maybe we'll do it on another show. Maybe maybe next time I'm with, I'm with Paul. And when you read a Sirach chapter 50 and you're saying, oh, okay, wow, this is a, this is a high Jewish worship. This is, this is their, their, their high mass, so to speak. You'll see that it resembles the Latin mass. So we as Catholics know how the Jews worship because it's in, it's in our canon of scripture. It's not in the Protestant canon. So they don't know how, how, how the Jews worship God. We do. And it resembles what the Latin mass looks like for 1,600 years. So just, I'm just saying, just read Sirach 50 after the show. <clears throat> read it tonight before you go to bed and take a look at it. And you'll say, wow, this is, uh, th- this is where the Catholic Church borrowed the Latin mass from. So remember, mm-hmm. it, just, it, it organically, <clears throat> Fulton Sheen says that Judaism is a seed and what grew out of the seed is Catholicism. Okay. There and is, so, yeah, perfect. It, it, yeah, Judaism is a seed. That that's that's what God gave. He, he he God instituted Judaism, and it was a seed. But that seed was watered by the Holy Spirit, and what erupted from that seed, and which is which is now a full tree with branches, is the Catholic Church. And uh, yes. and so, as Catholics, remember uh, tr- Saint Faustina taught us in 1931 to say, "Jesus, I trust in you." And just just remember that throughout the day when you yeah. start getting stressed out and depressed, just stop. Take a breath and say, Jesus, I trust in you. Notice we're not saying, we're not saying, you know, Father so-and-so, I trust in you throughout the day. We're not saying, Bishop so-and-so, I trust in you. Cardinal so-and-so, I trust in you. Pope so-and-so, I trust in you. That's not our prayer. We Catholics have never prayed that. Our prayer is when you feel a little bit down, you feel the blues, stop, take a breath and look up to heaven and say, Jesus, I trust in you and say it three times with piety. Paul, take it away. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I just want everybody uh, to just be reminded, you know, this is church militant. It's a battle. There is a real choice. We can choose to listen to the voice of the shepherd, Jesus Christ, or we can choose to listen to men. Now, as long as those men are in lockstep with Christ, we can listen to them. But when they, yeah, but when they veer to the right or the left, we keep our eyes on Christ and the perennial teachings of the Holy Catholic Church. And we have plenty of them, folks. So um, again, uh, keep your eyes on the Lord, be encouraged, and know we don't have to take it in our hands, the fight, so to speak. All we have to do is bring it to the feet of our Lord and our Lady. Amen. God, come to our assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. Psalm 59, verse 2. Up next, stick around. and You don't want to miss Gary Machuda, hands on apologetics. As for me and Paul, EOW, we are end of watch. Out, 10-7. See you next time. <laughs>